to start with a time of adoration. This is where we, again, we praise God for his characteristics. We praise God for his attributes. And so I always like to start with uh, helping you tangibly think through that by asking the question, who has God been for you this week? Or how have you seen God work this week uh, through his characteristics and attributes? And so um, I'd like to get that started tonight. Um, For me, God has been my peace um, and I praise him for that. And he's been my vision. And so I'm thankful for that as well, um, just in light of so much happening. So and I'm thankful and praising him for that. What about you? Who has God been for you this week? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. So a prayer answerer and a mission accomplisher. Even when sometimes the mission feels impossible. He gets it done, and so we praise him for that. That's a good one. Thank you for that. Who else? Yes, ma'am. Yes. 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 He hears us. He knows us, and he knows us by name, and he calls our name. How about that? Praise God. That's a good one. Who else? That's good. Yes, sir. Infinite depth and an intrigue. All right, I'll take it. Praise God, he is. That's good. Somebody's been reading this week. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> so praise God, that's a good one. Yes, ma'am. Your sub, say it again. Sustenance. That's a word I can't say, so thank you for repeating that before I said it because the word that came to my mind was not that word. So thank you for getting me on that one before I said it. Uh, sustenance, he is, and we praise him for that. We thank him for that. Who else? Who has God been for you this week? Let's do one or two more, maybe. Yeah, Corey. Steadfast loving kindness. Yeah, that too. That's exactly. So our steadfast loving kindness, and we praise him for that. That's a good one. Praise God. Who else? One more. Got another one. I love it. Let's go. Ooh, yeah. He is our calm in the storm. Yeah. Our ever-present help and our peace. Oh, you got another one? You want to jump on that one? Or you, was that an affirmation point? Oh, okay. I thought, that was a, I thought that was a point of affirmation going, yes. I feel it. I thought that's what was happening. I was like, oh, we're all feeling that's a point right there. Uh, we, we have just discovered something new in our prayer time. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're raising the hand. We point the finger. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like it. Good stuff. <laughs> you started something new. See what you did? All right, so on Sunday morning, here's what I want. When I'm preaching, if you hear something that you're like, amen in the firm, I want you to point the finger, okay? So there it is. There it is. Point. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's just get... All right, I got to recover. Let's, uh, that was really good. I enjoyed that. Thank you, and thank you. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer now and just praise him for who he is. Father God, we thank you that you are Abba Father. We praise you that you are our sustenance. We thank you that you are our grace and our peace. Thank you that you are our ever-present help, the answerer of our prayers. You are the mission accomplisher. Thank you that you are our joy our vision, sustainer and provider. 
the lighter of our path. God, we praise you that you hear us. You hear our prayers. You know us. You know us by name. You, you intimately formed us because you are creator God. And so for that, we praise you. We thank you, God, that you are the Lord of creation and the Lord of redemption. You're the Lord of our salvation, the Lord of worship. You are our shield, our strong tower, and our defender, our ever-present help, our hope in what is to come. You are the God of grace. You are the God of mercy. You are good. And so we praise you. Father, we thank you that you hold our lives in your hands. We thank you that you are seated upon your throne, that you are sovereign over all. And for that, we praise you. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for delighting in us. And God, we pray that in our actions and in our words, may you and you alone be glorified. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 112 this evening. Um, so if you could do, go ahead and turn there. And as you're turning there, uh, you know, we are clearly back in our study, still walking through the Psalms. Um, we still have a ways to go as we walk through our Psalms each night when we gather for prayer. Um, again, we're looking ahead to Psalm 112 this evening. Um, so last week, if you were here, um, we said last week that Psalm 112 is actually the twin Psalm with Psalm 111. And so this Psalm in particular is actually the center of three Psalms that actually begin with the phrase, Praise the Lord, or in the Hebrew, the hallelujah, okay? So um, both Psalm 111 and 112, if you remember from last week, we said these were uh, poems that are actually acrostics, and they complement each other in terms of their content. So last week, we clearly saw the Psalm uh, 111 was all about God, and so this week, we're going to see that Psalm 112 is about the happiness of a person who serves God, okay? So um, that's what we're going to be looking at with Psalm 112. So having said that, let's just read Psalm 112 together and then uh, just point out a few phrases uh, from the verses that stand out, and then uh, we'll move into a time of prayer from there. So let's just read this together. Uh, this is Psalm 112, beginning in verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright, for he is gracious and merciful and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. 
He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Man, as we can see, a lot happening right here in 10 verses as we look to uh, the blessings that come with the man who serves God. So let's just go ahead and jump right into this. Coming back to verse 1, we see it actually uh, starts with the phrase, um, praise the Lord, and then this word blessed or blessed is the man. Um, That word blessed there literally translates to happy. So it's almost like you're saying happy is he. In other words, what we see Psalm one. 12 doing um, is speaking to the well-being of the everyday life of the servant of God who faithfully follows God. So literally what we're seeing right here in Psalm 112 verse 1, it's actually tying us all the way back to what is said in Psalm 1 verse 1 because there we see that a man who is instructed to walk in righteousness and in the ways of God, that man, that servant of God will overall be blessed or be happy in his well-being and therefore will be blessed. Now, some people have taken Psalm 112:1 with this blessed word and then Psalm 1 one and tried to tell us that as Christians, we should always be happy. Well, the reality is if you live one day, you know that's not true. I mean, I can't find one single soul that I know, whether it's a family member or a friend or a member of our church who happens to be a brother and sister in Christ, I've yet to find someone who can say, yes, pastor, through the entirety of COVID, I have been happy. That's just not true. However, I have seen people who, when they look at their situations, when they look at their trials, when they look at their struggles, and they begin to compare them to what Christ has done for us, and they compare them against the backdrop of the will of God being done, and they say, Lord, your will be done. I will faithfully follow you irregardless of what may come my way. Then, as we see here in verse 1, that servant is blessed. That servant is happy in their well-being because they recognize and understand that everything has its purpose, everything has its reason, and it was all done by the sovereign creator of the universe. Now, we move from there in verse 1, and we see that this blessed uh, person here delights in his commandments or delights in the commandments of God. So what we have here is obviously the righteous person, the blessed person receives the law of God, the commands of God, or better yet, the word of God. They receive it with joy, knowing that the word of God itself is to be kept with love and care as we continue to walk in his ways, as we continue to walk through the process of sanctification that ultimately is a result of the salvation that we have received. And so what we have here already in verse 1 is we're seeing that, hey, blessed is the well-being of the person 
who keeps the instruction of the Lord. Now, this is important because right now in our world, much of our world is telling us to abandon God, abandon the Word of God. Many of our churches, unfortunately, are abandoning the Word of God in order to jump into uh, arenas that really the church has no business being a part of. And so what we have right here in Psalm 112, verse 1 already is this. If you want to be happy in your well-being, let me tell you what not to do. Don't turn on the news because it's miserable. If you want to be happy in your well-being, do yourself a favor and don't turn on social media because most people on our social media feeds, for whatever reason, are fairly miserable. I don't know why that is. We used to be happy people. I remember once Facebook used to be filled with pictures of children and recipes. I miss those days because I was like, kids are cute and food is great. And so I kind of want to go back to that, you know, Um, but we don't see that anymore. So how can we be fulfilled? Well, right here, Psalm 112, verse 1, you want to delight? You want to delight in well-being? Keep God's word. Make sure it remains the main thing. Now, we move from there in verse 2, and this is what we see coming off of uh, keeping and delighting in the Word of God. It says this, that his offspring will be mighty. Now, think about this for a second, because those of us who maintain relationship with God, those of us who maintain a walk with the Lord according to his Word, what we will then see is as we are walking with God, we will begin to see those around us begin to ask questions. And even so, we will also see that there will be moments where even our family may grow in their righteousness with us because they see what the Word of God is doing within our own lives. In other words, when we are walking in obedience with the Lord according to the Word of God, it will be noticeable. And it will have an impact in some way, shape, and form even over our family. Now we move from there and we get into verse three and it talks about how wealth and riches for the righteous are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Now, in other words, what we have the psalmist saying here is for those who walk in the instruction of the Lord, he will be happy and blessed in his finances. Now, okay, let me pause here. What you did not hear me endorse is prosperity gospel. That's not true. Okay, what I am endorsing is this. When we are walking in the counsel and instruction of the Lord according to his word, we will make room and glorify God even in our finances. And it's in those moments where we will be able to say, Lord, we don't desire what others have, Rather, we desire you and who you are. And so we are thankful for what you've given us. We see what you've given us as a blessing. In other words, for the person who is walking with the Lord and talking in terms of wealth and riches, all of a sudden they understand wealth, they understand riches, but they also understand this wealth and riches is not their God. Rather, they use what God has blessed them with for his glory and for his purpose. Now we move into verse 4. And we see that light then turns in the darkness for the upright. Now, we have this phrase here again, in the darkness. Now, here's the key 
Because a lot of people think, well, all of a sudden, if I become, and this is, this is a big misconception about Christianity. A lot of people uh, will tell you that, well, if I become a Christian, does that mean everything gets easier? Or if I become a Christian, does, does that mean everything gets better? Or I had somebody say this to me one day. Uh, they said, hey, if I become a Christian, does that mean I'll never get cancer? And I'm like, I, no. What a, what a terrible way to look at life. Like, this is not a, you're not signed, it's not a, it's not a negotiation with Jesus. Like, it's not a Lord, if I submit to you, follow you, and get baptized, cancer-free is the way to be. That's how it's going to be, right? That's, that's not a negotiation. That's not at all how this works. Rather, what we need to recognize is when we find ourselves in the darkness, this is actually a metaphor um, that's being used here by the psalmist to remind us that it is possible for hard uh, times to fall upon us. You see, here's the reality uh, for believers is we know moments of darkness are coming, okay? There's gonna be moments of hardship. Like something I always hear a lot of people say today, the struggle is real. Some of us are living in the struggle right now with COVID. Some of us are living in the hardships of, of the unknown of when will school start or when will sports start back up or, uh, or the unknown of, well, what's the next step for my family or, or the unknown of a family being moved because of a job or the unknown of, well, where am I going to work? There's moments of frustration. There's moments of darkness. And so, yes, believe it or not, as we continue to move through this life, things aren't necessarily all of a sudden going to get easier. It may, in fact, actually get harder, and so we have to pay attention in those moments and realize that even in the midst of the darkness, God is still working. Because you see, all things, according to Romans 8.28, all things work together for his good. Now, the beauty of that, to understand Romans 8.28, you really need to go ahead and read verse 29 and 30, but... We'll save that for another day because um, I've actually been thinking through that in terms of a sermon for a later date. But anyway, what we can see is this. Like the psalmist is acknowledging here in verse 4, is even in the midst of the darkness, God is still in control. In other words, there is still light in this very present darkness. Now, they move from there, and you see words like gracious and merciful and righteous here in verse 5. And so here we are now beginning to see the light that comes from God that now can be found within the believer because as the believer walks with God, as the believer stays in tune and in touch with the word of God, all of a sudden he begins to reflect uh, some of the very characteristics of God as he continues to seek to follow him. You see, here's the reality for all of us. We are image bearers of our Lord. And so as we seek to grow in sanctification, moving closer to glorification, as we stay immersed and close to God in the word and close to God in worship and in prayer, we are going to reflect more and more of who he is. And so light will shine forth. Now, we look from there in the verses 5 and 6, and what happens here in 5 and 6 quickly is that we begin to see more of the descriptions of the man, more of the description of the qualities that we see in the right, righteous man and the type of life that um, the righteous believer then leads. Now, you jump into verse 7, and we get into verse 7, and we see this about the man, that he is not afraid of bad news. In other words, for the believer in Christ, the, the righteous who is walking in the Lord, they do not fear trouble. They do not fear times of distress or times of turmoil or times of confusion. Why? Because they trust that God is sovereign. 
Now, again, this is one of those verses that often gets misconstrued. This is not licensed to say, well, let's go to the Skyway Bridge and take a long walk off of it and trust God that he's going to protect us before we come crashing down on the water. That's not the case here. Rather, what it does mean is this. No matter the diagnosis, the prognosis, no matter the job or lack thereof, no matter the uncertainty of the future, God is still sovereign. God is still in control. And as believers, we have nothing to fear. You know, just to tell you a quick story about that, um, I don't know how many people know this about me. I love to ride roller coasters, which is kind of odd, because I am deathly afraid of heights. Like, I hate heights. I, I will never get in a hot air balloon because that's dumb. I don't know why you would get in a thing full of gas that you're pumping a flame through. That makes no sense. I saw that science experiment. doesn't end well for the balloon. And the only thing that's keeping me from the ground is a wicker basket. No thank you. Hard pass. Nothing to do with it, okay? Not doing it, not having it, all right? The other thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going skydiving. I'm really not. Because I'm not going to strap myself to some dude who may be having a bad day and didn't pack his parachute correctly. What a horrible idea. Now, I'm also the same person who believes that my seat cushion on a plane should not be a flotation device. More often than not, I'm not flying over the ocean. I'd rather it be a parachute at that point, and I'd rather take my chances should the plane start to go down and the captain and the crew jump, okay? Even when I'm flying commercial planes, I'm going to confess this, and if Daryl Purcell were here, he'd he'd admit it. He'd see it because he's seen it. I love the takeoff because I love the speed. I love when we first get in the air, but when we clear the tree line, I'm like, that's good enough. I don't know why we have to be 20, 30,000 feet in the air. It makes no sense. I know people talk to me about jet stream and wind shear and you travel faster, whatever. You're 30,000 feet in the air. It's too far, okay? And so I, I, am, I am terrible. Like I get clammy palms, and if there's storms in the area, I mean, I feel like, and you know, you, have you ever been on that flight where it's kind of bouncing around? Okay, I'm like, Lord Jesus, put this bird on the ground with me safely on it. Like, this is just terrifying. I mean, that's just me. And so I remember I was sharing this with someone, and they said to me the most powerful thing that I literally will begin to repeat to myself. If you, ever, if you watch me, if we're ever flying together, and I hope now that I told you that, we never fly together anywhere. But anyway, here's what I have to tell myself. Like, I will literally, I'm that guy like everybody else on the plane. I close my eyes before we take off, you know, because everybody's trying to act cool, chill, relax. You're trusting that your pilots had a good day behind the locked door. That bothers me as well, but... We won't talk about that either. I miss the days of the curtain where you could just go, Shh, you good? Yeah, okay, you know, we're, we're okay. We're gonna be fine, all right? I will sit there and close my eyes and literally say to myself this thing that I heard from one of my admins years and years and years ago when I was taking a mission trip. She said, I heard you were terrified of flying. I said, yes, I am. And she said, why? And I told her everything I just told you. And she said, well, there's two ways of looking at this. And she read, um, she actually read this passage to me here in, in verse seven, to not be afraid of, of bad news. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not very comforting because that's not what I want to think of while I'm 30,000 feet in the air. I don't want to have a, I'm not looking for a bad news moment, okay? And so she said this to me. She said, there's two ways to look at flying. I was like, what's that? She said, one of two things is going to happen, and you're guaranteed of this all the time. I said, what? She said, you're either going to reach your destination that you intended to reach on your trip, thus the reason why you're flying. I was like, yeah. Or, she said, or because you're a believer in Christ, if something goes wrong, you will reach your final destination. You'll be home with glory. And I thought, okay, that's cool. That gives me peace. Still don't want to think about that, but it makes sense right? So when it comes to bad news for the believer, we have to trust God 
that he's going to get us through it. Is, it. is it okay to be angry? Yeah. Is it okay to be frustrated and upset about what you're hearing? Yeah. Is it okay to be in tears about what you're hearing? Yeah. That, that was me just yesterday. Um, I don't know how many of you guys heard, but my mother was in the ER yesterday um, with something unknown. By God's grace, she's fine today. Um, we now know what it is, and we feel much better about it, but there was a couple hours of we don't know, <laughs> you know, um, and it was just concerning. And so I was, I was preparing again for tonight, and I get back here to verse 7 and looking into verse 8, I was like, man, I don't know what's about to happen to my mother, but God's got her. And so we can always say that. Man, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know the one who holds tomorrow. Now we move from verse 7, and what's beautiful is then you get into verse 8. And what verse 8 then does, it complements verse 7, because what it does, it actually further affirms the faith of the man who places his faith in God. And so literally that's what we see. We see that his heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. In other words, he has placed his total faith, his total trust in God because he knows that God will be the victor. We move from there into verse 9 and we see that this man who's living by righteousness, who's living by the word of God, this, um, this man who is truly blessed, he is now distributing freely and giving to the poor. In other words, as a believer in God, it is a call for all of us to be generous in our giving and generous in our service and generous in who it is that we are helping. You see, generosity should actually be a common characteristic of the faithful. And we see this in 2 Corinthians actually, chapter 9, verse 9. Paul actually quotes this passage from Psalm 112 in order to describe the type of characteristics that the faithful should have in the church in Corinth. So look at this. What was said in the Old Testament in Psalm 112 still applies to the church today. And so we should be generous givers together. We then get into verse 10, and verse 10 is kind of the pinnacle here of everything that's happening in, verse, uh, in Psalm 112. We see that the desire of the wicked will perish. Now this is important because if you go back, we talked about Psalm 1 earlier, 1-1. Now if you Fast forward one psalm to Psalm 2. We read in Psalm 2 that just as the way of the wicked will lead to nothing but their destruction, fast forward to Psalm 112, verse 10, notice what happens. Not only will the way of the wicked be destroyed, but then notice now their desire will also be destroyed as well. So it's not even just their plans anymore. It's not even just the will of the wicked or the actions of the wicked that are being destroyed. Now God is saying, I'm not just gonna destroy their actions and their, their will, I'm actually gonna destroy the desire they have for that. I mean, that's a total obliteration of those who stand against God. So for the faithful, as we look back at Psalm 112, we can see that by God's grace, by his will, by God's plan, we can see that the desire of the wicked, not only the way, but the desire of the wicked will perish. We also see that God's people, the faithful, will live in the blessing that comes with knowing God's infinite grace. And so for us, as we close out Psalm 112, we can rest in knowing that as Psalm 112 reminds us, we are his 
we are called to remain focused on him, to remain firm in the word, and no matter what happens, good or bad, we can still look to God in Psalm 112 verse 1 and say, praise the Lord. It's a lot to unpack in one psalm, but one that is very encouraging and affirming and something that I'm thankful for. So uh, having said that, what I want to do right now is I want to move into a time of prayer requests where if you guys have some things that we can pray over, again, we are not handing out prayer guides at this particular time. Um, simply because we are trying to just maintain as little contact as possible with COVID-19, respecting the rules of the CDC. I do want to say quickly for our folks who are watching this later, you can always send in your prayer request to us at prayer at southsidebrandon.org. Please keep sending those in. We do receive them. We do pray over them as a staff uh, when we get them. And so please uh, continue to send those requests in. 